Welcome to the Five Heart Podcast. I am John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com. Greg is not with us again this week. We are joined, however, by two taskmasters. I don't have Greg's voice. I don't have that good radio voice. I have this kind of a, I don't know. We're joined by Todd and Nate, and they're special people. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. Uh, how are you guys doing? Wow, that good, huh? <laughs> you know what? Um, can you hear me, John? Yes. Okay, so my family and I went to Florida this past weekend, and uh, that was an opportunity for me to drink my favorite beer, which is Yingling. Oh. And um, so I bought a 12-pack, and the night before we were going to leave, I just didn't want to waste any, so I just drank more and more, and my wife goes, you know, we could just pack those in our suitcase, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> And so I brought two home and I am now drinking one of my two. So uh, is this a beer you can't find in Nebraska or what? Well, I think Indiana is the closest, I believe, to Nebraska. So I have a friend that whose uh, wife's family is from Indiana. And so he'll bring me a case back whenever he goes there. It's really good. Yingling. Yeah. I, I had my first Yingling when I visited my aunt and uncle in Virginia. I think it's brewed in, brewed in uh, Pennsylvania, I think, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a good beer. I like it. I like it too. What my, uh, my, uh, when I went and interned in Washington, DC and my first night there, I, I met my um, roommate who's very aggressive and in your face type of guy. And I was already on edge, you know, being from a small town and now I'm staying in Washington, DC. And he goes, Hey, when we get back. You want to have a yingling? And I'm like, what's a yingling? I'm like, is it, is that a drug? You know? And I'm like, um, I don't know. What is that? He's like, Oh, it's a beer. I'm like, Oh, okay. And so. <laughs> So, yeah. Did you think it was a sex you'd never heard of? I mean, I was on edge. I had no clue what a yingling. <laughs> well, yingling, there you go. I, I don't recall ever having a yingling, but, uh, you know, I've done a lot of weird things in my lifetime. <laughs> okay, so the big news today, and this is being recorded on Thursday, was all of the great and wonderful planning that the NCAA has done, uh, apparently preparing for the NCAA volleyball tournament. Uh, it, it, they say that there's going to be no broadcast crews for the first two rounds. Uh, we've heard that they're not going to have locker rooms until they get to the Elite Eight. We've heard that the floor is uh, kind of a crappy floor because it's just – like a sports type court laid over concrete, which means that there's, well, it means that you'd basically be taking a yoga mat and laid on, on top of concrete and diving on it. Maybe a little bit more thickness than a yoga mat, but for God's sakes, I, we care about our student athletes. This, unless they're women, I guess this you know, seems to be the case. What do you guys think of this? You know, there's another part to this, too, that just blew my mind. And, you know, when they get to the – they for the competition floors, they went and brought in – they had to go find four Terraflex – I think they're called Terraflex floors um, – from the from schools in, in Nebraska, University of Nebraska, Creighton, and UNO. They went and got their floors. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, in the, in the basketball tournaments – when they have those regionals, I'm not talking about the bubble this year, but when they have those regionals, they put all those new courts, new courts all over the country for those teams to play in, in those first couple of rounds. And I'm just astonished that they, they have to go out and, and borrow 
these courts and they couldn't put in, you know, NCAA courts. The, the whole thing is a travesty. I, I, I just, you know, when I was reading some of those, those tweets, I thought, you have got to be kidding me. They're, they're running this like, you know, a, a, a club, club sport tournament, you know, for 14-year-olds. For this is, it's just baffling beyond belief to me. So it's easy to say that the NCAA doesn't care about women's sports. We had the whole thing about women's basketball in the locker room and how they had like one set of dumbbells uh, compared to the men's, the men's massive weight room and, you know, power lifting and shit like that. Uh, I mean, is there any, could this just be a giant mix up? I mean, John Cook on Sunday talked about his concerns what they were looking at. So this wasn't something that just suddenly happened it, or is it? I mean, they can't be this bad. Can they? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. You think that they're, they're, they would have someone overseeing volleyball. Maybe I, I, I'm not sure how the NCAA is, is structured. You think they'd have like one person overseeing volleyball that person and you would have deputies or whatever. I don't know. Going back to the, the weight room stuff, you know, isn't it worse that it almost be better if they didn't give the women a weight room at all. I like, quote well, weight room, you know, it, right. it's, like, it's really like, Oh crap. We forgot to get them a weight room. Somebody <laughs> have a stack of dumbbells somewhere. <laughs> Cause that should be good enough for the women. You know, like I just think it's, and just the whole no locker room thing. I'm like, these are, I mean, look, these are some of the best athletes in the world. And you're going to have them get changed. And I understand their warm-ups are probably over the uniform and all that. And maybe they don't need the privacy for that. But it's like some, like, um, not res maybe respect. I don't know. Like, I think they're, I mean. You know what it is? You're a coach. You know this. You have a routine before a game. And you suddenly went to a tournament and you said, ah, we're going to just make shit up. We're not going to have the same routine. You're just going to, I don't know, you know, maybe you'll have some water. Maybe you'll have some Gatorade to drink. I don't, maybe you might have some old fucking guy's urine in a bottle. But you have a routine you go through when you're a team and you prepare for competition. Well, and they basically said what they're saying is, is ah, fuck this shit. You know, just get out there and uh, yeah, it's a bowling alley. Just throw the ball. There, there was something I read today where, okay, so they're going to have practices, have it open for practice like at 7.15 in the morning. And then you can also practice an hour before your game. And John Cook says nobody practices an hour before their game. And they, so, so in essence, they're going to have them, you know, go to the convention center, have their practice, and practice probably in practice gear, I would think, you know, or are they going to practice in their game uniforms and then throw their sweats back on top, go into, you know, the competition area, take their sweats off and play their game. And, you know, this makes no sense at all. These are division one athletes, you know, it just, it, yeah, but they're women. So apparently, uh, a, a, yeah. apparently, you know, I mean, and I'm with Nate, I read, you know, Nate made some comments earlier today, you know, they can't bring in, you know, put, privacy areas up curtains and that you know they can't i understand that convention center i've been in that convention center a number of times hell my dad worked in that place when they had the the exarban livestock show it's one big flipping massive room but yeah. there are offices there are other conference rooms there's other places where they can put these women and give them at least some semblance of of a locker room or a team space you know so, so what, you know, with, with the, you mentioned water and Gatorade. So is this kind of like when mom comes down and taps, you know, the player on her shoulder when she comes off the floor, do you need something to drink, honey? Can I, here, here's a Gatorade. Here's a Gatorade for you. Just like little fucking 10 and under kids at the softball tournament. I mean, this is asinine. I, I, I just. It, so I, some parents going to have to show up with the cut up oranges. There you go. The parents are going to bring in the cut up oranges. Yeah. Yeah. And then the parents are going to take their daughters 
after the game's over, they're going to take their daughters in their uniforms and they're all going to go to Happy Joe's and eat pizza. <laughs> can, can this really be this bad? I mean, is this, this has to be a massive oversight. I mean, okay. So the weight room thing. Okay. So I, how I pictured this is the person, whoever's in charge of that goes, all right, well, there's a men's weight room. Okay. The, the women's weight room is, um, I forgot about that. So in this case, I, I picture, oh, it's okay. Um, yeah, we're going to have it here. Uh, and uh, so it's like, oh, so, hey, where's our locker rooms? And he, and he or she is like, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know, <laughs> I, it's just like, hmm, how about they just warm up and then take off their warm ups in front of the bench? You know, it's that's. To me, like it's like such a simple fix, and this makes you think they simply are so unorganized that they just—I don't know—I don't—I don't know. Or they I, say, I saw a response to a tweet today, and the and the responder said, "Isn't the NCAA full of sports people who should know better than this?" And my my first reaction mentally was. No, the NCAA is not full of sports people. They're full of fucking lawyers. Yep. All they're doing is worrying about fucking lawsuits. They don't give a shit about the difference between men and women's sport unless it's making them fucking money. Well, I'd I really would... like to see a breakdown of what the NCAA employment list looks like because everybody in that fucking organization is probably a lawyer including the janitor and he has to be a lawyer to protect himself from every other asshole in the organization but get my god you, you this is so bad then and i'll tell you why i think that they're going to just forget about this is this they know that our span of attention is so shitty that we're going to be in about two three months we're going to be opened up to be able to be going to sporting events again. And they know damn well that our span of attention is going to be, well, oh, well, the tournament's over. That was really sucks. Somebody should do something about that. Gosh, I'm glad I can go to the spring game. Or gosh, I can go to Major League Baseball events. And they know that we're going to forget about it in two, three weeks. So that's why people get away with this kind of fucking shit. And I hate to bring politics into this, but – the Como guy in New York hasn't resigned. He's not going to resign. Nobody's going to force him to resign. And he knows that other things are going to, this is going to blow over with all the shit that's been leveled against him. And he just has to wait it out. That's exactly what the NCAA is going to do with this. They're not going to change. And the reason they're not going to change is because the people who actually run the NCAA, and that's not Mark Emmert. Mark Emmert is an overpaid lackey. Fuck. The guys who run the NCAA are the people who run universities. And the same fucking people that last year when we'd had this pandemic were perfectly fine with charging people the same amount of tuition for remote classes when most of their professors couldn't teach over Zoom worth the shit. They didn't give a damn about reducing their tuition rates or giving a break to most people on room and board. They're the same fucking people that are happy to take handouts from the government on one side and fuck the younger generation on the other. I have to breathe so you guys can take over. Well, well there, there is somebody that's in charge of volleyball from the NCAA, just like there is the person that's in charge of the College World Series and baseball. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you, you look at what they did in Indiana for the basketball tournament and in San Antonio for the women's tournament. This, this is so Bush league. I'm embarrassed, you know, for the, the sport of volleyball and for those women that are going to play. And I'm embarrassed that this is going to happen in Omaha. You know, it kind of makes you wonder. Omaha has always stepped up and put on a first class event. Those swimming meets that they've had here, College World Series, you know, they roll out the red carpet. They got the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And, you know, they th that runs like a well-oiled machine. It would, as much time as they've had to plan this damn thing, somebody really dropped the ball here. Oh, well, the NCAA, just as we're doing this, has released three statements. 
Oh, the NCAA statement on the broadcast. As in previous years, there is no requirement to produce coverage or provide live commentary in the first and second rounds of the Division I Women's Vol Volleyball Championship. Blah, 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 blah. There are additional technical challenges, including four streams going out at the same time from one location. <laughs> Never mind that they had six streams going out of the arena in St. Louis during the wrestling tournament at the same time. Do you know it's that? Four, they can't do four streams at once. It's, it's too big a technology. You can only do maybe one. And that's I'm really sorry. pushing it. I'm sorry, but when when little small schools, like the high school I coach at, that I went to, when they're streaming games, I mean, and it's like a little camera and a couple people, you know, it's like like BTN Plus when they're doing the baseball games. Uh, <laughs> not exactly great commentators, right? You know, but at least you can watch the game and like there's someone talking. I mean, don't say, oh, yeah, it's a little tough. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's a – that's a that's weak. It's, that's weak. It's all. Here's a statement on the changing rooms. Contrary to reports, players were never expected to change clothes on the bench. Each team will have a secure changing area on site. So there but, you but go no, with that one. No, it was the, the – yeah, they're, they're saying, well, no, we're not expecting them to go from street clothes and change into their – uniforms on the bench but no because usually after they warm up they go to the locker room and then they take the warm-ups off and they come out like you were talking about you know it's things that you're used to yeah routine no yeah. yeah so so that's just kind of a little small little change of wordage i'd say they have re uh, released a statement on the flooring to address concerns about the practice court flooring in the convention center Felt underlayment is applied to each practice court to apply cushioning and prevent court movement. In other words, if you dive really hard, the court would move around, right? <laughs> Terraflex floor will be laid over felt underlayment and sport court floor for the first three rounds of competition. Starting with the regional finals, matches will be played in CHI Health Center Arena on a sport court over a wood sport flooring system which has been the traditional setup for the championship. <clears throat> I want to, I want to point something out here. This statement was just released at 8:22 PM is when we see it well, about 7:50 PM. Uh, the first statements came out, I, I think this morning, right? So, so, so Bill Moose has run the uh, NCAA essentially. <laughs> That's it. That's, my God, Nebraska couldn't respond to something on Twitter for five hours. That whole program must be some run by the most horrible people on the planet. Well, you know, there you go. We're just following the NCAA guidelines of being yep. shitty at responding to stuff on Twitter. You know, I, I guess, uh, I, you know, I'm going to keep my rant intact. It's still the same shit. They're still the same people that uh, mostly lawyers. Uh, mostly don't really give a shit about women's athletics. Uh, well, I, let me take that back. I go, it's not just women's athletics. I think if they're not making the dollar at the NCAA, they just don't fucking care. They or don't. baseball too, right? I mean, yeah. I mean. Well, that's more Big Ten, but anyways, sorry. I, I know they do all these commercials where, you know, most athletes are going pro and something other than sports. And we care about the student athletes. You know, if you're listening to this and you have like any idea in your head that the NCAA gives a shit about this stuff, about student athletes, and that's the reason they exist. I want you to think, I want you to just look at this from one perspective. The NCAA is a giant money laundering organization. It's a legal money laundering organization whose whole pretense is making shit fuck tons of money off of people who don't get paid a dime. Now, let me get compensated with scholarships and stipends, but they don't get paid at all. And... Uh, <laughs> That's the whole reason for this existence. I really wish that uh, more people would wake up about this and kind of, 
I, I don't want to tear everything down, but at the same time, I, some of this stuff has to change. Either, the, either it's name, image, and likeness or something where these people get more of a fair balance setting when they're, when they're basically working their lives away, providing us with entertainment as student athletes. <laughs> there you go. My, 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 my viewpoint on that whole thing is, you know, some people think, you know, they make the argument, you know, well, the students get all these benefits. Student athletes get all these benefits. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I 100% agree. Um, I said, but whether someone is getting paid, no matter what, just because you decide you don't think they should pay the athletes, whatever, whatever you think they should be paid, I don't, whatever that amount may be. But if they don't get that, somebody else is getting, you know, and that's my, and that's, I mean, that's even my opinion on like, some of the salaries, Major League Baseball, you know, some of these guys making $300, $400 million or whatever, 10-year, 15-year contract. I forgot what it was. Oh, all that, all that money. You know, he's making all that money. I'm like, yeah, but if he does it, someone else, probably the owner, <laughs> you know, someone's making the money. You know, so it's like, you know, it, anyways, but, uh, anyway, anyway, Todd, unless you got something else, you know. Yeah. No, I, I just, I think it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment um, the way they're, they're treating these people. And, um, you know, other than your, more than your casual volleyball fans, um, you know, they're going to see the TV coverage when they get down to the Sweet 16. And, you know, they're going to have great production and it's going to look like, you know, just, just this great event. And, um course you know the mainstream media they will not um they'll not go but you know under the covers <laughs> so to speak and, and share any of this it's just sad i think it's a black eye and it's sad what else we got john i don't know i'm still going on that the whole like we can't run four streams from a location You're still going through my head there <laughs> You know why it's going through my head? If I remember correctly, I mean, I've, been, I've worked in IT for, you know, my entire career. Uh, it seems to me the U.S. West out of Omaha has some of the biggest fucking pipes in the country. You know what I mean? It used to be U.S. West years ago. Then it was Quest. I CenturyLink. What is it down there? CH Health. CHI Health or something. No, no, no. I mean, the, the actual telephone, what used oh. to be telephones. You know Hotel? what I mean? No, no, no. Uh... Some of the biggest, some of the biggest internet lines and pipes in the in the country go through Omaha, if I remember correctly. Let's move on. Okay, I don't need to dig up part of my damaged brain IT career. They probably run in anyway. Um, let's see what else do we have. Oh, we have two storied Huskers this week participating at. Nebraska's practices, and that is Jay Foreman and Jason Peters. So, uh, what do you guys think? What should they be involved? Uh, is this just some weird attempt to relive the '90s? Is is there some usefulness you see getting coming out of this? Having those guys there. Go ahead, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> so, my first thought when I heard that was. I bet a lot of these players, I know they're former, I know Jason, I, I know they're both former NFL players with, with over 15 years of NFL experience or whatever I read, whatever it is. Sorry. Anyways, Mike, if I was, I mean, remember these are 18 to 24 year old kids and I deal with 15 year old to 18 year old kids and they're probably like, they played like, how long ago? <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, they have experience, but guess what? They haven't, they didn't play in the NFL last year, you know, or, you know, or five years ago, you know, it's been a while and they are members of the, you know, the nineties essentially. So, uh, and I would, if, if I was a defensive coach and, you know, maybe you're wondering is like, 
I mean, I, I'm not the one who needs help, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, Frost, do you have any offensive buddies that you want to bring in <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, that's, that's what kind I of what thinking. I thought. You know, that was one of my reactions. Yeah, Where's like, Tom Rathman? Where's Tom Rathman? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Frost, why haven't you brought in Frazier? Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I know that, that was kind of my thought is, you know, maybe we think that the kids are going to get a lot out of it. Maybe they are. I don't know. But it's I, – I have a feeling that they're like, these guys are kind of old, you know. But I don't know. I think, you know, I don't know. There's there's probably a defined reason um, why they're bringing them back, um, bringing them in. But, you know, I, I think if nothing else, probably as much with establishing that culture that uh, Frost has talked about ever since he's got, you know, ever since he got here. And then, you know, Deontay Williams, when he spoke to the press earlier this week, you know, he was hammering about the culture and he says, you know, in essence, he said, can you believe we had guys that didn't want to play in a bowl game? We got to get rid of that kind of mindset. That's not the culture. We want players that want to play football, that want to play the game. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find, uh, you know, anybody who played football in Nebraska that was more passionate about the game than Jason Peter. I mean, there's a lot of passionate people, but there aren't many um, that were more passionate than he was. And so if nothing else, if, and, you know, I'm not talking about those guys being raw, raw cheerleaders, you know, and standing up and, and, you know, giving little speeches every day. That's, I, I, I hope that's not how they're using them, but I hope that they have opportunity to get in the ears of some of these guys and talk to them about what it's like to be, um, you know, to, to play football at the university of Nebraska you know, what if that all means and try to, you know, reestablish or help reestablish, you know, some of that, this is the Nebraska way. This is the way that it's done at Nebraska. Um, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that would be it. I'm going to read a quote from Milt Teneper's book, The Assembly Line, which is a very difficult book to actually find. Uh, Ryan Tweedy got me an autographed copy of it from Melt Tenniper to me, which is really special. And sometimes when I see that book, I think of all the nasty things I've said about Tweedy and uh, I don't take them back a damn bit. <clears throat> anyway, here's the quote. Most young men aspire to be the best, but many don't realize what it takes to get there. This is where older players become an influence. Their work habits and dedication to excel tend to rub off on the aspiring young players. So when we look at Nebraska's football team, I mean, you pointed out that, you know, Jason Peter and Jay Foreman are both, you know, they're defensive players. And the defense doesn't seem to need as much help as the offense. But you really, what you're missing in this, I think, is, is that concept where the the older players are going to rub off on the younger ones. Well, when Scott Frost got here, who, who was older players did he have to rub off on the younger ones? You know what I mean? They'd been under Mike Riley for three years. And, and from everything that we've heard about Mike, he was a really nice guy, but really pretty much, you know, a nice guy. And he didn't really wasn't a taskmaster about doing weightlifting and, and conditioning and stuff like that. So it's basically the first part of this quote. Many don't realize what it takes to get there. And maybe that's what Jay Foreman and Jason Peters can provide, even if they even if they are crusty old men, Nate. <laughs> well, you know, there's there is also something to be said that back when those guys were at Nebraska. And I remember reading a lot about those teams from the nineties, the, the players, the, the upperclassmen held everyone accountable. I mean, there was, there was the accountability factor where you're expected to do your job. You know, Nate's Nate's t-shirt logo, do your job. And, and, you know, they, they, they made them toe the line, you know, the coaching staff, back then didn't have to worry a whole lot about 
on the field and off the field issues because they were holding each other accountable. We've talked in the past about leadership. Who are the leaders on this team? You know, my goodness, when you have a sophomore that's a captain last year, a sophomore captain, are you kidding me? Year before they had a captain that was a transfer from Oklahoma State? That's a good point. That's our leadership? It can't be that way. It can't be that way. Okay. This – one of the biggest problems – what is that? (laughs) One of the biggest problems that Nebraska has had now for quite some time, not just since Scott Frost arrived, is uh, penalties and turnovers not taking care of the ball. And this has been a problem for, well, like I already said, a long time. So this goes back to two things, I think, experience and discipline. And I want to talk to you guys about discipline because both, Todd, you were a coach. You coached football once, didn't you? I coached football, yeah. You coached wrestling. And you were a principal and a teacher. Yeah. for your career and Nate you coach basketball yes and I was a juvenile delinquent and have spent my entire life having a problem with authority figures so we have discipline covered from 360 <laughs> degrees so what what is, is it youth that I mean what happens why isn't this team why does this team still have so many turnovers? Why does this team still have so many penalties, even though that we know it's an issue? Why can't this team stay in their lanes when they're playing special teams? What's going to fix the discipline issues? I'll let Todd go first if he, since he was an administrator. <laughs> You're getting another beer, aren't you? No, my wife is kicking me out of the bedroom. So. <laughs> Not a good sign when the wife kicks the, man, the husband out of the bedroom, but I will <laughs> – Another podcast, I guess. Um, You know, I I guess the way I look at it, you know, there's a lot of examples. Um, when, When you play sports at a really high level, more often than not, the difference in a lot of games is who makes the fewest mistakes? Who has the fewest errors? You know, who has... Who, who, who um, doesn't turn over the ball, you know, whatever the sport may be. And, you know, there's a <laughs> – I've got a very good friend who is a, another principal. And, you know, in the school business, um, there's, there's a saying in the school business that what you monitor is what gets done. You know, what you monitor is what gets done. And what you prioritize is what gets done. And so, you know, at the, you know, the 500-foot level, um, you have to question a little bit on how important, how much importance and how high of a priority is the coaching staff putting on playing disciplined football, playing mistake-free football. And, you know, there were years back in the day with, with Tom Osborne that, hell, they might have two penalties in the game. Um, that isn't to say that, you know, that's a guarantee that you're going to win. You look back at Barry Switzer days, and shoot, they'd have seven fumbles and they'd still hang half a hundred on you. Um, you look at the Miami teams in the 80s and in the 90s, what a bunch of hellions but, you know, they played with their hair on fire. They were just that good. But, you know, the majority of the time, you're going to win when you do things the right way. I've always believed, you know, you have to live a disciplined life if you're going to be a disciplined person on, at your job, on the field, on the court, or whatever it might be. And so sometimes I think you got to look at who are you recruiting. Are those the kind of people that the coaches are recruiting? Maybe. But then, you know, what, what you prioritize is what you're going to get. And until the coaching staff holds players accountable 
for their behavior, then you're not going to have discipline. You're not going to have air-free football. Cam Jurgens, this is not a discipline issue, maybe a focus issue, maybe an attention issue. But, you know, Cam Jurgens with all those high snaps, and it went on and on and on. Why? You know, players jumping off sides. Why? There's no accountability. You have to have accountability to change behavior. You change behavior when you hold people accountable. It's simple. What's that mean, though? Holding them accountable with playing time or what? At the college level with playing time. What do you do, Nate? What do I do? Yes, about discipline, damn it. You, know you got what? little kids to raise. Well, okay, well, perfect example. My seven-year-old uh, was doing some homework today, and it was uh, reading a book about a, a prince or a princess in a castle. And the question was, what if you woke up tomorrow and you were a prince in a castle, what, or what would you be most surprised about? And he wrote, nothing. <laughs> anyways so and, and not, i no i was not happy about it and i said yeah do your job your job is you, you know i'm dead didn't i ethan i said that didn't i yeah he shook his head yes do your job which anyway sorry um i agree with everything todd said uh i think that you know what you haven't heard in a while is Scott Frost saying, uh, was it uh, no fear of failure, whatever that, uh, what was that? Um, something you, no, or you have no, to play like you're not going to fail. Yeah, yeah no fear of failing about failing. Maybe that motto works at UCF. I think in the Big Ten, I mean, you have to adapt to, I mean, if we were in a Big 12, that might work too, you know. Like the, uh, but I think the Big Ten, it's such a disciplined league that it punishes you if you are not disciplined. And so, when, so I think Frost is adapting and he's still adapting and still adapting, which is totally fine. And I mean, I'd rather take that than him being like, oh, no, 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 we're going to do it my way or whatever. I think it was last year or the year before, and someone someone could look it up, because it, it was the false starts, I think. And he's like, yeah, we're going to start actually punishing the, the kids for them. And, it, <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> because, and so what I have to say about that is, I'm going to circle back to Adrian Martinez, okay? I think you could punish the crap out of a – ball hand or a ball carrier for fumbling the ball. Okay. I think, okay, you fumble the ball. They, if you fumble a live ball at all, guess what? You got to roll down. Cause there's no, they used to do during Osborne said you used to have to roll. They'll roll all the way to the next end zone and back or something. Now if you fumble it and they get it, it's down back, down back or something, I don't know, whatever, you know, Log roll. It's a log, log roll. I'm sorry. Thank yeah. You. Okay. Now, this is where I'm a little bit hesitant. Okay. Adrian Martinez throws an interception. Okay. Or, okay. How do you want to punish that? I don't know. Because do you want him to be willing to throw it into a tight window? Because if you say, oh, by the way, if you throw an interception, your butt's going on the bench right away. He's not going to throw that ball. And you might be like, okay, well, he doesn't turn it over. Yeah, but he's only going to throw a little five-yard outs, which I guess is what we're doing now anyways. And so <laughs> uh, that's kind of like, you know, as a basketball coach – sorry. As a basketball coach okay, – yeah, you know, we're on a podcast, right? <laughs> okay. Is – Discipline that person. <laughs> I'm obviously not doing a good enough job. So, um, no. Uh, do you want to discipline a kid for 
turning over the ball every time he turns it over because then he's going to be so worried about the discipline that he's not going to be able to play freely with the ball. And so it's a dichotomy in that way. And so, anyways, that's kind of my thought on it is that I think Frost was too free on things. He's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, man. And now the Big Ten just beat the crap out of him. And he's working his way back, I guess. I don't know. That's my thought. You know, I, I think sometimes in this day and age, and, you know, I've seen it with – I've seen it up close with some coaches, you know, at the high school level, um, you know, and, and I don't know if you can extrapolate it to the college level or not, but, you know, Frost, for example, um, you know, they talk about his practices and how he runs his practices so fast. Now this year they said it's not at that same rate because they want to finish, but, you know, he runs his practices so fast and they, you know, they're, they're so focused on, you know, thing done that I think a lot of times they ignore the errors because they don't want, you know, they don't want the, the left guard, you know, doing barrel rolls or doing log rolls down the, down the football field. They want him repping so that he's getting these, this down. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, we've gotten so hung up on, what am I trying to say on the prep and on the reps and that type of thing that we, we've, you know, coaches to some extent have lost a little bit of control and authority. Um, you know, it's, for example, you know, with, with a high school coach that I worked with, um, you know, even though he had players ineligible, he would still work them in at practice, going through a lot of the prep in practice so that when they were eligible, they didn't miss a step. And I'm sitting here thinking, what the hell is that? You have enough, you got to play three or four games with the players that are eligible. Why are you taking time away from those kids who are doing the right thing so that you, when the, when the stud comes back, he's ready to go. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a juxtaposition on the whole thing too, but you know, I don't, I guess, you can watch teams like Iowa State with Matt Campbell, and those players do not mess up anywhere close to the number of times that Nebraska players screw up. And, you know, they – Well, wait, how long has Matt Campbell been there? Uh, seven, been there? seven, is it? Seven okay. Now, now, did Iowa State, when he got there, were they the same way? Did they play discipline when he was first there? Well, kind of the Iowa State story is, you know, at one point in time, they had Jim Walden there. And Jim Walden, his added, he he hated spring practice. (laughs) You know, his philosophy with spring practice was, oh, it gives us a chance to see how some of the young guys can do. Oh, you think we need to have a spring game? Well, I suppose we're going to have a spring game, you know, God. You know, and so that was the era probably, even though Jim Walden teams had some big wins, you know, that was probably the least disciplined bunch of players you had. But, Paul, you know, you had Dan McCarney came in, and then you had Gene Chiswick, and then you had – who was there for a year. And then you had Paul Rhodes and you had Matt Campbell. And I think Paul Rhodes lost control of his players. I think Paul Rhodes came in and established a good environment, but I think he started – Matt Campbell hasn't eased up. Matt Campbell came from Mount Union College, a Division III football powerhouse that had an old-school system and an old-school way of doing things, kind of like St. John's up in your neck of the woods. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the way he runs his team. There is accountability. And, you know, what is Scott Frost... And maybe even before Scott Frost, Mike Riley, are they are they afraid of putting a starter on the bench? Are they afraid? You know, you know, is our offensive was our offensive line so horrible that when you know the left tackle jumped off sides twice, you can't put his ass on the bench and put somebody out there? Well, is that know. a question? I mean, is that the deal? I mean. If Cameron Jurgens came out of the game because he's snapping issues, then Farniok went in and 
the snaps were better. But <laughs> did the offense get any better? Or did you need to have Jurgens? Is this the long play <laughs> for Scott Frost? Where he remember last year when we were doing this, and I said, I said this several times. I said it seems to me almost that Scott Frost approached the year 2020 full of football games as if he was doing a scrimmage. In other words, like Cam Jurgens is going to stay out there despite the horrible snaps because he needs the reps in live action. And I don't care if we lose games, he's going to get the reps in. I mean, that's kind of what it looked to me then. And I, maybe maybe you get the guy's experience and then you clean up the, the discipline issues or the, you know, the penalties, the, you know, whatever. Well, maybe. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope I hope that we see and, and well you know the other part of it the discipline isn't is not and interceptions it also has to do with execution and doing your job on the field and how many times did we hear they you know we the, we didn't get the blocks made or the blocks weren't made or you know so and so was supposed to you know get that outside linebacker um you know, you hear it on the other side of the ball. Didn't fill the gaps, you know. Um, you hear that type of thing. So, you know, I don't know. When, when John, when you, when you print out those do-your-job T-shirts from coordination, I, I want one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that reminds me a lot of, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but when the offense isn't working because one or two guys isn't doing their job, which, you know, that's kind of football, but that reminds me a lot of Bo Pelini. It's, you know, the defense isn't working because we're not executing. One or two guys isn't executing. I'm like, you're not hearing that from a lot of other schools in the country. Why is it just our offense with Frost and our defense with Pelini that, oh, it's the one or two guys, and that's why we're giving up 70-some points to Wisconsin. (laughs) You know, the Unity Council was something that I don't know. Does it exist anymore? Oh, sorry. I I think something like it does. I'm not sure. Uh, Okay. That was basically kind of established and run by the players. Right, with the with the team with Jack Stark, Jack Stark. Right, you know, yeah. Okay, well, maybe that was Jason Peter and Jay Foreman talking to the players about here's how you hold each other accountable, because you know if you don't know, put I started this out this whole discipline saying I don't like authority figures. I've never I'm a consultant working for a small company. So I can pretend I've never had a boss because I don't like being told what to do. And I, I freely admit that. I don't like being told to do by what to do by anybody, right? So if Jay Foreman comes up to me, and even though he's an old man, he's not my coach, and he starts talking to me about, you know what, Cam Taylor Britt, let's just pretend I'm Cam Taylor Britt. Ooh, I feel so athletic. I've never felt this way before. But if he comes up to me and starts talking to me about, you know how you hold these guys accountable and here's what we did. And here's kind of some of the ways I want you to think about holding the other teammates accountable, but it's not got to be just you. You got to have a a core group of people getting together to hold people accountable. Maybe you should think about this. Maybe you should think about that. You know, one of the best things you can do as a consultant is make your, your customer think that everything that we're going to do is their idea first. And if you're a really good consultant, you can usually do that about 85% of the time. You can, you know, kind of just go, yeah, this is your idea. You know what I mean? If you manipulate people into coming up with their own ideas that you planted in their head. So maybe that's what Jay Foreman and uh, Jason Peters are doing this, what their time there. You know, Patrick uh, Gerhardt, our basketball writer, I believe, maybe a month ago posted on our Slack chat room on probably I'm not entirely sure how to find this, but Jason Peter wrote a blog post about his experience with his brother and Grant. And there's a fourth and I'm sorry, I can't remember who it is. 
But essentially, the, when it was Friday night and people were going out, they went to Gold's Gym and they went and lifted. And it was, you know, it was things like that, like, oh, Sunday night, nope, time to go lift, you know. And so Christian and Grant and there's a whole group, and that was kind of part of the deal. Is and he's like it was the best thing, one of the best things ever. And so, I, I mean, but like as far as those guys, what influence do they have on the kids? Um, uh, you know, I, maybe they can. All you need is one guy. Get one guy going who can lead them. And it sounds like the defense is in good hands, culture wise. And I've never been on a Division One football team, obviously, but I have a feeling that. Right now in Nebraska, there's the offense and there's the defense, you know, and because it sounded like today, like you mentioned earlier, that defense wanted to play the bowl game last year. The offense didn't. And that's not, a, I mean, that makes me nervous, you know, as far as culture is, as far as the whole team, but maybe that's normal. I don't know. Hey, wait, it goes back to the experience thing. When you actually look at the breakdown on the defense, there are much more experienced players. When you look at the offense, I mean, wait, wait, what was Rutgers' offensive line? We started three freshmen, right? Well, that's, that's what – Frost was very – I agree 100% from my experience as a high school, small-town basketball coach, you know, if you want to compare it. Get old and stay old, you know, because he's <laughs> he, he's not he's still moving towards getting old. And then when they get old, particularly that offensive line, whew, I think we're going to be doing very good yeah. as long as we stay old. And that's what he's moving towards. We're not there yet. Where the defense, I think, I mean, you bring all those they're calling what super seniors back. I mean, they that is definitely. We are old, and they are going to stay old for a while. I hope, unless we get a bunch of transfers. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't have an offensive line with three freshmen. Well, you can't have leadership on the offensive side of the right. ball if you have three freshmen on the offensive line. That's pretty damn difficult. The, Cam Jurgens is a junior. Time to step up, buddy. No, he's a think, sophomore. Okay. Cam Jurgens, a sophomore. That <laughs> Fourth year in his... the program, he's a sophomore. Okay. This will be his third. Okay. So it's time for him to be a leader. You know, Cam Jurgens needs to, to show that kind of leadership on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the quarterback always is, quote, unquote, a leader. But, you know, it's got to be – there's got to be other people there besides Adrian Martinez that, that carry the load on that side of the ball. Well, look at the offense. I mean, literally, look at the offense. What's there? The only seniors, the only upperclassmen we have on on the offense at all are transfers. Wide receivers, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Omar Manning and Samori Torre. Omar's and a junior, I think. Isn't Omar's he? a junior. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's still an so upperclassman. Uh, 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 yeah, Falk. Yeah, Falk. Yeah, and uh, yeah. who? Falk. You know, he had some media time, and he almost sounds like he's trying to step into that role. A, a oh, transfer there. From, from USD, you know, power to him. So, I don't know. Get old, stay old. I thought you were talking about me there for a minute, you motherfucker. No, I'm like talking about you want juniors and seniors. If you can, that's what I, I think that's what Iowa and Wisconsin are. They are, and you you have exceptions. They are get old and stay old, and yeah. I think that's why they're so successful right now. Yeah. Oh, I I have a thought though. Unless oh god, are we getting close to ending? Or? Yes. Okay, so I want this is Todd brought this up. This, uh, I had a flakes article last week. Um, I said don't drink the Kool Aid, right? And then a, a, a certain fan, um, Chaz in California, I forgot. He, he didn't, he, he tweets out, doesn't mention me. And he might not have anything to do with it 
as far as, but he then all of a sudden asked, what does it mean drinking the Kool-Aid? Okay. And so this is a perfect example. And I'm glad Todd, you brought this up. Okay. Is you know what drinking the Kool-Aid is, is when me, I'm talking about myself personally, when Darian or Adrian Martinez is a sophomore or Darian Daniels transfers in from Oklahoma state, like Todd said, and they are captains. You know what Kool-Aid does to you? You're thinking, wow, they must be such good leaders that, I mean, they just exceptional. And that is why it's, it's everything else is hunky-dory. But the fact that we have a sophomore quarterback and a one-year transfer from, you know, Oklahoma State come in, the fact that they are, you know, their leadership must be so awesome. You know, and, and it's not, you know, it could go the other way where, Oh, the vacuum of leadership is so grand the other way. You know, that's the non-Kool-Aid thought. And so that was me, though. When, when Darren Daniels was elected as a captain, I'm like, he must be just the most leadership guy in the world, right? You know, that's Kool-Aid. That's me. So anyways. So drinking the Kool-Aid is your wife is a serial killer and you're fine with it because she won't kill you or she'll kill you last. <laughs> She's got a lot more people before she gets to me. Right. Huh. Todd, you got anything else? Should we be done? I think we should, should move on because I'm starting to really think about this drink, the Kool-Aid, and I know where it all started and that's starting to disturb me as I'm thinking about <laughs> No, it was around before then. We can hold that thought till another podcast. <laughs> that must be a certain story between you two, huh? Oh, no, I don't think so. But we'll probably end there. Is there anything positive? Let's start end with a positivity. Let's okay, A positivity. Um, Todd, you got anything positive? I can think of some while you're talking. Yeah, I... <laughs> about um, the weekend Nebraska has a home baseball series against Maryland. Maryland is a good team. Um, you know, they were one of them that was in the preseason. They picked them to be fairly high in the conference. And um, so they come to Lincoln for three games and it would be nice uh, to watch the Huskers come out with, uh, with at least two wins, if not a sweep, I don't know if they can sweep them, but uh, it would be great to see, see them come out with a couple of wins. Well, I think we got to, you know, we're, we're at the top of the Big Ten, not necessarily first. We keep, you know, it's that one half game thing, whatever. We need to stay in the top two for sure. Yeah, you I know, agree. I thought Indiana was going to kill people. And I, I think it's fingers crossed Michigan and Nebraska are kind of going to stay toe to toe on this thing. And we get Michigan and Lincoln, I think, in the last series of the year, don't we? That's true. Oh, my and, God. Uh, I know Maryland's oh got one one of the better pitchers in in the conference, um, so you know hopefully he pitches Friday night and because Povich Povich is going to pitch Friday night and he's been you know good game bad game good ba game bad game well he didn't he wasn't real sharp last Friday so I'm excited I think that um, looking for a good weekend from the baseball team Nate <laughs> let's try to think. You know, even though right now we have only two scholarship running backs practicing during the spring, and I, I feel like this might be a Kool-Aid thing, but Gaber and Irvin, the true freshman, sounds like he might be a, a guy, a dude. And sound, some of the reporters said, yeah, he stands out even physically. And so I think that would be a really big deal if, he ends up being the real deal as far as, hey, he's he's, he's ready to play. So um, that would be my positive, my positive thing going into the end of this podcast. I don't you, have anything John, what's positive. What's your positive that, thing? What's that? What's your positive thing? I'm still stuck on this get old, stay old thing as it pertains to me. So I, I you know <laughs> – you not, I can't think you, of any way to get young. Okay, well, we're going to end it there. We're going to end it. Okay. What am I supposed to say at the end? 
This Thank is John Johnston with yeah. Todd and Nate, and uh, this has been the Five Hard Podcast because five hearts are the only hearts you need. <laughs> that's I is that close? Worse than last week, but oh my god, I need to write these things down. Okay, five hearts are the only hearts you need. Todd, go big red. Nate, do your job. Thanks for listening.